So before we get started, of course, we have to go with our legal disclaimer. Neither Fellowship of Champions nor Searcher Gilworth Financial Certified. Don't do nothing crazy with your money uh, and blame me for it. So I started thinking about today and I decided to go back to where we started, back on January 30th, uh, 31st, somewhere in there, and remind us of where we've been. This is the exact same picture we started with. Anybody been scarred? I got a whole bunch of them. Some of them you can't see. I like this one. And I wanted to spend some time, just a little bit of time, going back through where we started. All right? Y'all remember this? I talked to you about my buddy Phil. He's a farmer. He and his family, generational farmers. They actually own the largest African-American-owned farm in the country. They farm thousands of acres. They do uh, corn, soy, some other things. And one of the things I talked with Phil about when we started was like, man, like, how do you think about the entirety of the cycle that you have to go through? Because, well, you get really kind of one harvest for every crop, right? Now, the cool thing about it is one corn plant produces a whole lot of corn seeds because, well, the whole point of that, that stalk and the plant is to produce seeds so the, the, the vegetable, in this case corn, can perpetuate itself. Like, that's the whole point. But you only get one chance to do it. So we got into this kind of conversation and we talked about it and I use that as context to help bring to life the conversation that Pastor Edwin and Sean and I had a while back to talk about this whole concept of 20% challenge. Now, I've been black my whole life, y'all hear me say that, so I've been to black churches my whole life and I can tell you I have never, ever, 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 ever heard anybody come out and say, hey, we're gonna help you save money. In fact, just this week I talked to somebody about their church and what they were doing and when I told him about this thing, he couldn't even understand it. It got him all confused. He actually was like, oh, so y'all banded together to pay your tithes and you save 10% to pay off the church's debt. I said, no, that's not what I said. Church 10, we got to do the rest. So wait, 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 you mean your church is intentionally telling people to save money? I said, yeah. He said, how'd that work? I said, the same way it works everywhere else. You mean your people are banding together to pay off debt and it's not through a building fund for the church? Yeah, well, we got a capital campaign we got going. I said, what you going to do with that? He said, well, we're going to take care of the building. I said, oh, so y'all haven't been taking care of the building all these years, so now you got deferred maintenance going on. It's coming to bite you, right? Getting real estate. Yeah, man, yeah, yeah. How you giving? I said, oh, it's kind of down. I said, okay. I said, well, are you talking about money? No, we don't talk about money. I said, God, dog, there's your problem, man. If we don't talk about it, we don't ever get better. Now, the cool thing about this is that once we start to talk about it and exchange ideas, we start to find out that, well, many of us are in similar boats. Yours might be painted blue. Yours might have a different kind of motor. You might be on a sailboat, but they all kind of float. They all share the same arena. And well, truthfully, they all kind of go the same direction, right? They all still affected by the same currents. And let's be honest, how many of us could not go to work on Monday and be all right and be all right going forward? See, here's the interesting thing. We look at some of these high earners in our companies and we say, man, they got it made. But guess what? The difference between a $50,000 
paycheck and a $250,000 paycheck is a little bit bigger house. Maybe a nicer car. But guess what? Come Monday, you punching the clock just like everybody else. Now, that's okay because that means we don't have to get caught up in what somebody has if that somebody is not looking at us when we look in the mirror. That's right. That's good. Don't have to. Don't have to. Because I promise you, unlike those plants where you put one down and only one come up, well, money, we can make that up. We can invent it. We can create it. We talked about money creation. In fact, I think it was the very first slide I showed you when we started. I think it was about money and how through the years, all kinds of stuff has served as money. We've had pebbles and in jail as cigarettes. And uh, I saw something talking about stones, these crazy looking stones, bird feathers. All of these things have, have acted as money. I mean, you think about the island of Manhattan where a 600 square foot apartment in a 26 story building will cost you $3,000 a month to rent. Was bought for a couple of trinkets. Some of the most expensive real estate in the world bought for a couple of coins. Here, I'm gonna hit some of you where you sleep at. How many of y'all are from Little Rock? Anybody? Anybody know some folks from down that way? Okay. So tell me, Central High School. Back in the day, it was an all-white high school, right? And it was all white people who lived around. And then this, these little people came and changed things around. How many white people live around Central High School now? Now one. I'm, Arkansas, y'all say nan. Texas, we say now. So now one. Nobody lives there. In fact, there's an actual push by the federal government to transform the neighborhood around Central High School. Because they say this is a federal park. I think they call, it's, it's managed by the Federal uh, Department of Parks, right? Parks and Rec or Parks and Wildlife, that's what it is, right? They want to transform it because they want people to appreciate this stuff for what it is. Now, how many of you have been to or lived in a city that is currently undergoing gentrification of a historically black neighborhood? Here's the interesting thing. How many of you have gone back to that historically black neighborhood and said, hey, y'all, don't let them do this to you. You can do it yourself. I haven't either. And that is a problem. This, ladies and gentlemen, is where the concept of the talented 10th falls apart. There's this real key thing that nobody really thought about. In order for that whole concept to work, that 10% has to feel an obligation to that 90% to go back and share information. And so many of us represent the first in our families to fill in the blank that now we have gone out and we've seen the other side, but we haven't gone back and said, hey, y'all, it don't look like this. We have to go back. So if you're from one of those neighborhoods, let's start thinking about how we can go in there. Because that $80,000 house that your great grand whoever bought, that's now today, somebody with a sign is telling them it's worth $230,000 and that's all. But they're going to go in and put 80 more thousand dollars into it and sell it for 435, grabbing over 100 grand worth of profit. Well, guess what? Why can't your great grand whoever do it herself? Got equity in the house. House paid for, right? Just saying. I'm not beating you up. We're going to get to the fun part, I promise. But in talking to Uncle Phil, we call him Uncle Phil kind of as a joke because his name is Phil. Everybody in the country knows him as P.J. Haney. So if you look him up, don't look up Phil. He's P.J. Haney. He's a pretty well-known spokesperson for the National Association of Black Growers, National Black Growers. 
cooperative, that's what it is. Growers, yeah, uh, it's Association of Farmers uh, in the US, NBGC. So as Phil and I got to talking, we were talking, 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 something that he said came to mind, and I started looking, and I started thinking about my lawn, and I was like, man, Phil was right. Phil was right. Of course he's right. He's family been doing this for a long, long time. I don't know why I thought he would be wrong. I guess it wasn't that I thought he was wrong. It's just that I didn't realize that it could be so right, that things were so different from the way I thought. So I said, Phil, what is it about your crop rotation and all of this stuff? And as we get into it, he talked about how it's important for this year's crop to have started last year. Now, let me walk you through this. If you go to your local home improvement store and you buy a bag of fertilizer, there's going to be three letters on the front, or three numbers on the front. Those numbers correspond to the letters NPK, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Don't worry about what they mean. All you got to remember is up, down, all around. Up, down, all around. If you have small kids, it's not something that Blue's Clue said. It's actually talking about fertilizer. Up, down, all around, okay? Nitrogen is responsible for the stuff that happens above the ground, the stuff you see. Phosphorus is responsible for stuff that happens below the ground. That's the roots. And then the potassium comes in and it protects the plant all the way around, so it offers uh, defense against disease protection, et cetera, okay? Here's the interesting thing about fertilizing your lawn. And it took me a while to understand this concept, but as I started looking, I realized that all the research says that if there's only one time of the year you can for you to fertilize your lawn, do it in the fall. Grass ain't growing in the fall too much, well, except for this year, because, well, we ain't exactly seen fall, but in normal years, the best time to do it is in the fall, because, well, that's when the roots grow. See, the stuff above the ground is pretty. It's what we see. That's the stuff that other people say, man, you got a nice lawn, we can walk across it. Make us feel good, but it's temporary. It's the stuff that's below the ground that perpetuates the plant, that enables it to survive. And during the summer and the spring, it spends all of its effort producing so it can make seeds, so it can perpetuate itself. But for the fall, it goes into overdrive when it pushes those roots down. Because those roots have to be there to sustain that plant through the entirety of the winter. And if the roots fail, the entire plants fail. It's gone. There are plants that will not sprout leaves for years. But the roots stay alive because they sustain themselves. And the second the conditions are right, boom, they get to, they get to sprout. As long as that root is all right. See, you can, let, let me bring it to us. Let me, you can be rooted in Wynn, Arkansas. And your branches can still stretch up to the highest of corporate America. And in fact, I will tell you, because you are rooted in Wynn, Arkansas, that the values that you draw up are what allow you to get there. So when we talk about what we want our kids to be and do, let's make sure we take care of their roots first. Yeah. 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 Because I know a whole lot of people, in fact, I just had a conversation on Friday with one of my friends. Kids' roots all messed up. They all messed up. Kids' roots all messed up. Kids driving around BMW, wrecked it. Dad, you got to fix it. What? You're 17 years old, I'll kick you in the head. You come in here messing up my car that I didn't pay for. I guess I can't say kick you in the head, but if I could say that, I would. But, but we, we, we got to focus on our roots, ladies and gentlemen. And guess what? It's the fall. Yeah. It's the fall. What is our third goal for this year? We want to increase our 2017 retirement savings by 3%. Yeah. 
We started that this year. See, all of that other stuff, the getting rid of the debt, is there so we could get to the fall so we could be ready. And right now, for many of us, it's right around open enrollment season. How many of you changed that, that retirement? There you go. I told y'all at the beginning of the year that you were being set up, that I was intentionally setting you up. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, you are still being set up. And if you've been following the plan, you kind of starting to ease into it. All you got to do is get your chin up a little bit and you can see where we're going, but I'm going to mess you up in January. I'm going to change your whole everything. I'm going to show you how it's done. All right. So let's take a look at ourselves. Here it is. Our up, our down, and our all around. I'm not so much concerned about you spending money. I want you to get more for the money you spend. Now, if you had a great grandmama like mine, her name was Jenny V. Shannon, by the way. She's a little small woman, a little bright skinned girl here. She once jumped at my uncle and told her, told him that he, she beat him up. She was little, he was big, it's funny. Jenny V. Shannon used to say, <laughs> used to say things. Now, let me think. I gotta hold on, I gotta go through some of the ones that are church appropriate. Because y'all great grandmama's probably like mine. But she would always talk about how she was trying to stretch her money cooking home. Why? Because she's stretching money. And to this day, it is the most confusing thing in my family. I'm not even joking. Some of y'all may have had this experience. Some of y'all might be smarter than me and can tell me how this worked. My great-grandmama would come home after church. She'd get out of church clothes. She'd put on a house coat or house dress. Y'all got house dresses? No, no, no. no, no. You'll put that on. And she got, <laughs> she got the house dress. They call them the house dress. Y'all? Okay. Y'all call them house coat? Okay. We call them house dresses. They do dresses. And it was about 742 years old, so the little flowers that was on it, well, they weren't so bright no more. Duster. <laughs> and she would make her way into that kitchen on that little bitty white, almost Korean top table, and she'd pull out a knife that I guarantee you was around right after Jesus came around, and she would cut up one chicken. How many pieces can you get from a chicken? Let's see how country y'all really are. How many? You got eight. What happens if you break the back? There you go. So she break the back. Take that brush, she split it in half. Now we got 13. You take all of that, she fried up. Flames. She opened up one can of green beans, corn, or peas. I didn't say and, I said or one of, one of those. Put it in a little pot. Pot didn't have no handle no more, so you had to use a little thing to grab it. Otherwise, you set yourself on fire. And she had that gas stove that didn't have a regulator on it, so, well, never mind, but <laughs> y'all know. Okay. So she put it in there, ah, and then she get another pot, pow, put it on this side, put water in it, whoo, little salt, sh -sh -sh -sh, and one box of Kraft macaroni and cheese. No matter how many people would walk in her front door, that four-room house, everybody ate. I still don't know how. I can't even feed myself with one chicken. How'd she feed all them people? I don't know how, but that was what she was taught to do. It was about how do you get more for your money? We don't do that. We live in a it ain't tricking if you got it mentality. <laughs> Throw it up in the air. Throw it up in the air. Don't get me wrong. I'm all in favor of having fun, but get something for that fun. Are you getting the most? I'm not telling you you got, well, you can only spend 38 cents per meal. No, no, but if you're going to do it, do it till you satisfied. Do it right. Do it right. You're going to cook, cook something good. Right? Let's get more for our money. Let's not just settle for what we take. Okay? Okay? Can we do that? 
the down, value-driven investment. We say it all the time. It's real, real fun, and it's real, real cute to say, oh, yeah, I got a 401k IRA, yeah. We read magazines, and we look at those people and say, yeah, I got all of that, yeah, yeah. But are you maximizing your return on investment? Are you? Now, if you think back to session, uh, I think it was three, we talked about the importance of taking a risk assessment. You need to know where your lane is and stay in it. Because if you get over in the fast lane and you made for the slow lane, it's going to be all bad. Similarly, if you meant for the fast lane and you in the slow lane, guess what? It's going to be all bad. It's going to be all bad. Get in your lane. Stay in it. Start with that risk assessment. Understand where you are. Understand who you are. Don't lie to yourself. You ain't got to lie, Craig. I promise. You ain't got to lie, but be honest with yourself and say, this is where I am. I cannot deal with this kind of risk. If the price of oil drops, oh my God, most people jumping up and down, ah, gas is cheaper, don't know why. That's okay, they just know the gas is cheaper. I'm mad, I'm at work mad, because right now I'm long oil and I need it to go up to get to this money. So I'm betting against y'all. I'm telling you that right now. I want you to know I'm betting against you. I believe ISIS is gonna do something foolish depending on who wins this election. And I think it's gonna call oil to, or cause oil to go up. So while y'all jumping up and down about gas prices going down, I'm like, Wait till they go up, boy. Boy, I'm getting my money back for that gas price increase because I'm selling the oil. So let's talk about the all around. Y'all don't like it. Budget, it's what it is. You look at any quality financial planner, any quality financial program, any quality financial anything that makes any kind of sense. It involves a budget. I once read about a guy, his financial planner, said that he wanted to spend $10,000 a month partying. So you know what they did? They made him a budget that said he could spend $10,000 a month partying. Some of y'all shaking your head. Why? Think about it. If that's what's important to you, put it in your budget. Don't lie to yourself. Because all you're going to do is go spend it anyway. Say, well, I'm just going to buy, I'm going to buy them off the internet instead of in the store. And they're cheaper. That way it's not the same. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You still spend money. You ain't got to get something you want. Why? Exactly. There ain't a reason. You just got it because you saw it. <laughs> you got it because you saw it. Y'all know I like looking at houses and trying to buy houses and all that stuff. So I go look at, I, I, sometimes I go into people's houses and I look at stuff and I'm like, oh, my God. You trying to sell this and this stuff don't even make sense. But you watched every episode that you could for a whole month on HGTV and you tried to put all of it in your house. Why is this green and that's purple? It don't go. Why? Why? Oh, I read some of the magazines. They tell you, oh, yeah, yeah, do this, do this. This is one of my favorite magazines. In fact, they're going to beat me up for this, but that's okay. Black Enterprise Magazine. I love them. And I hate them at the same time. They do great stories about people and help you see that these things are going on. But there's this one section in there. And unfortunately, because I'm twisted like y'all are, the first section I go to is the section I hate the most. I open it up, it's the financial section. I open it up and I do two things. I look at the picture of the people. Then I flip the page over and I cover up everything and I look at what's in that little green box that has the assets and liabilities, right? Cover up everything else. Then I close the magazine. I say, this is what this financial plan is about to say. And I run through them. Sure enough, open them up. I'm right most of the time. 
it's not because I'm smart. It's because people are using the exact same formulas without regard for the person. You have to understand who you are, and that begins with a budget. I'm not telling you it's got to be like mine. Mine is pretty. I, like, I personally like building my own spreadsheets and using it. If that's not your thing, don't do it. Go do, stay in your lane, right? You may say my spreadsheet don't work for you. That's fine. You know what? I don't have a line on my budget that says theater tickets. You know why? Because I ain't going down to the Walton Art Center all the time. It doesn't mean I won't go. It just means that's not something that's important enough for me to warrant putting it into my budget. You know what I do have on there? Eating out. <laughs> you know why? Because I, I was like, man, how much money am I spending on food? Because sometimes we put on that budget just food. And I said, how much am I spending on food? It's one of me. I spend that much money. I just, what happened? I don't ah. I don't even eat that much. I do. So I split it out and I said, here's eating in. That's when you go buy groceries. Here's eating out. That's when you, well, eat out. I said, oh my God. I spent how much at Ruth Chris? Now here's what's funny. If you remember last week, we talked about creep and leak. I rarely like, I'm talking about less than probably five times have actually eaten in the dining room of Ruth's Chris. But that little lounge area with the weather dice, oh, boy. I, this is no joke, no lie, no exaggeration. I went in there one day. I sat down, and the waiter came around. I was like, what's up? He's like, what's up, Sir Trick? It's a problem when a waiter at that place knows your name like that. <laughs> or, or more than one waiter knows your name. So I said, good. What you going? I said, all of these appetizers, they on the... Give me all of them. I did that one day. No, I wasn't by myself. No, I wasn't by myself. Just cause. And, I, and, and that, that stopped. Once I saw that eating outline, I said, oh, no, no, no. And it wasn't because, you know, I was trying to be fancy or anything like that. It's just, well, I kind of like some of their appetizers. And well, y'all sitting there looking at me hungry while I'm eating. And most days, I don't really care if you're looking at me like you're hungry while I'm eating. But on this particular day, I did. And so I was like, OK, y'all eat up. Y'all join me. We laughing. Ha, ha, ha. We having a good time, right? Those things matter to me, so they're on my budget. What matters to you? What matters to you? Now, using these simple principles, I'm not trying to get you down in deep finance. I promise you, if you want to talk about CAPM, we can talk about CAPM. Most of y'all don't. It's OK. If you want to talk about what the real return on your investment is or how to properly discount cash flows, we can do that. I can show you the formula. We can talk about that. Most of you don't. Let's keep this simple in a way that we can do it, okay? I would much rather you leave here with a couple of things that you can do great than leave here with a whole pile of notes that you ain't ever, 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 never, ever, ever going to read again. Up, down, all around. If you go back to our three goals, you will see quickly, they tackle the up, the down, and the all around. If you take it back to our strategy that we talked about last week, you will see quickly, it tackles the up, the down, and the all around. So I want you to ask yourself right now, because this is the time to start. In fact, pause right there. If you are planning on going on a diet for the new year, ooh, start now. You know why? It takes you 21 days to start a new habit. The first 21 days at the gym, you sore and sick. You hate them people, your body's sore. You, ooh, 
You don't want to get out of bed. Why would you do that in January when there's 12 million thousand people crammed into that little room? You know what? Everybody who goes to the gym regularly hates January. Hates it. They can't wait for you to leave because they know you ain't serious. But if you start in November, number one, your third week. <laughs> if you start in November, your third week happens right before Thanksgiving. So guess what? You've gotten through the pain and the anguish and now you're about to eat and your body has already said, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, fresh. You can do that. But we need to go uh, work out. See, your body starts to crave whatever you feed it. Drink a lot of Coke. Drink a lot of Coke. Drink a lot of Coke. You start twitching if you don't have a Coke. Coffee drinkers. Coffee drinkers. Let it get to 1131 and you ain't had at least two cups of coffee. You ready to fight everybody. <laughs> Your body begins to crave it. That's right, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but your body begins to crave it. So if you start to work out in November, by the time you get to Thanksgiving, guess what? You're going to be like, all right, that Sunday after Thanksgiving, you done shopped on Friday. You done shopped on Saturday and laughed and watched the football game. But by Sunday, your body going to be like, yo, we ain't, we ain't, we ain't, we ain't, we ain't did what we supposed to do. So now you're, you got your body on your side and you're working. And now you got what? Another four weeks before Christmas coming. You want to eat that ham. Y'all big mama make ham? No, no, y'all not everybody big mama make ham. Y'all, they do make turkey. We might be barbecuing this year in short pants, as hot as it is this, this year. But, but you get in there, now you got two months under your belt. So when that, that turkey come, that dressing come, my God, if y'all, hey, if my, when my mama come next time, I promise, y'all get my mama make some dressing. Just, yes, in the name of Jesus. Hold on. Okay. I had to think about the food, sorry. So by the time you get to, thank, or to Christmas, you now have eight weeks of working out. So guess what happens come January? You now hate all these people who are going to be there for three weeks and then leave. Because now you're in a pattern, just like everybody else. Hit the ground running is a popular phrase in corporate America. We want to have a Q1 fast start. You'll hear that all the time. You start now. You start now. If you, you're going to get a bonus, hopefully, uh, this, uh, next year. And it's based on this year's performance. Get a spreadsheet. Write out what you want to buy in a prioritized list. You know why? That way, when you get your bonus, you can say, oh, this is where this money needs to go. Instead of going, yes, throwing it up in the air, throwing it up in the air. <laughs> Tell me you ain't done that. Tell me you ain't done that. You look, God, where'd that $1,500 go? Baby. No. Baby, what are you spending money out of the car for, huh? Huh? You did? I did? What'd I buy? Nothing. Well, where'd the money go? Oh, throwing it up in the air. Come on, y'all. Start now. So I got one question for you. One simple question. That's all I got to ask. How's your garden going to grow? What you planting? What you planting? You going to start fertilizing now, getting ready? Because if you do, here's something else that happens. The roots, as they grow down, soon as it gets warm, they start to produce, right? The stronger and broader they spread, the more they produce. The more they produce, the more they outcompete the weeds that grow in your garden. That's good. That's good. Let me help you out. 
That means you get more good stuff, less bad stuff by starting now in the spring of next year. Start now. Start now. All right. So let's get into it. This is the part I can't wait to do. I've been waiting for this since we started this. If anybody laughs, well, make sure you tell us why. All right. We're going to do case studies, and we're going to talk about what the things we've learned uh, through this year uh, mean to these situations. Okay? We got, I think I made five of them. This is Sunjit and Santhi Vishvanathan. Okay? They are proud new homeowners in the family-friendly suburb of Regent Park. The Vishwanathan selected Regent Park because the great school is affordable, though quickly increasing home prices and plenty of after-school activities for their three sons, Sanjay, Shiv, and Sunil. During his daily commute, Sunjit listens to audiobooks. He recently finished a personal finance book and has been weighing options for his family's financial future. Santhi spotted the audiobook and decided to listen. Only two chapters in, and she's concerned not only about the financial well-being of her family, but also about the financial well-being of her aging parents. Now, I will tell you right now, none of these have anything to do with any real people. But if they sound like you, you might want to learn a little something. So what do you guys think? What do you think Sunji uh, and Santhi should do? What do you think they should be talking about and considering? How they're going to take care. I mean, how they're going to make sure the aging parents, because if the aging parents aren't taken care of, they have to help. Yep. Okay, that's one. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a big concern. What else? We're going to come back to that one in a second. What else? We've been through all this. Y'all going to talk. It's okay. I can do it. I can make you talk. Where they are. Yeah, their financial situation. That's a big deal because, well, if they're, if they're trying to take care of mommy and daddy and they underwater, <laughs> yeah, there's a reason lifeguards are taught to never touch a drowning person. There's a reason. You touch that drowning person, they're probably going to pull you down and everybody going to die. Yeah. But if you kind of you know, let them go through their problem and you can stay away, you have a chance to save yourself and them. In fact, lifeguards are taught four words. Reach, row, well, reach, throw, row, go. Reach, throw, row, go. If you've been a Boy Scout, we've taught the same thing. Reach, throw, row, go. That means if somebody is drowning, the first thing you want to do is reach something to them. Okay? Put a stick. Not get in the water. I got a better chance of saving you if I can stay on the land and pull you out. Throw those little rings that they see every, that you see everywhere. <laughs> throw it out there to them. Still, not getting in the water. Roll. Get in something and roll your little cute self over there. Still, not getting in the water. Go. That's when you get in the water, you swim out to them. Why is that the, the, the last thing they're taught to do? It's the most dangerous. It is the one that is most likely to cause everybody to die. So if you don't have your life together and Big Mama don't have her life in a place where she can be all right, guess what? Everybody don't. Everybody. Everybody. It's not man down. It's fam down. Right? It's everybody. So part of it, and, and I know some of the parents don't like me saying it, take care of your retirement. Here's something that some of you haven't considered. Do you realize your 401k, you can go hit that money, take it out, and use it for, uh, for qualified educational expenses. Without penalty, uh, you do have to pay the taxes if it was put in before tax. You know that? You can actually take that deduction. 529 plan, if you got money over there, you cannot take that money out and use it for your retirement expenses without paying penalty and taxes. Take care of your retirement, it gives you more flexibility to do that other stuff. 
take care of yourself. You gotta make sure you're okay. Lifeguards are taught. If there is a life-threatening situation, like you're about to hit the rocks, put the drowning person between you and the rocks. If that person breaks a limb, breaks a bone, becomes injured, becomes unconscious, it's okay, because at least you can still swim and save that person. If you break a limb, everybody dies. Everybody, take care of yourself. So Sunji and Santi are talking about their family now. What about themselves? What else? What else jumps out? What else do you, would, if you're in this situation, what would you be thinking about? What about the kids? They move to an area for, where, where there are good schools because they want a good school. Chances are they want their kids to go college. to college. Think they want to think about that? What can they use to help them? Different things? Yeah, okay. What else? What else isn't up there? They bought a house. Equity in the house. Did they buy a good house? Did they buy at the top of the market, the bottom of the market? Did they buy sideways? Did they buy a fixer-upper? What about debt associated with it? I read this crazy thing that said you should spend 10% of the purchase price on your house furnishing your house. Somebody said it was 20. I said, you done lost your mind. You better go to Ikea until you got a couple extra dollars. Because who going to lay on you? Go. I've been black my whole life. My grandmama, <laughs> until I was in my 30s, had a room in her house that no kids went in. How many of y'all like that too? Got that furniture from 1847 sitting there underneath that plastic, still smell like the habitats that she bought it from. Still, God dog, you walk in there, you just stand right there, you stand up to that thing, you're like, one day I'm gonna go in there. Or you run through that room real, real quick and you run out. Y'all laugh because y'all did it. Y'all laughing because you did it, that's why. <laughs> Got rid of all that stuff, replaced it with some other furniture. And to this day, I'm a grown man. Got kids, make money, all that stuff. I almost never go in that room to sit down. Almost never. But it's because of that thought process that, oh, that's special. You know what? Let me tell you something. You got a couch in your house. You can't just go lay on when you want to. Something wrong. Something wrong. Something wrong. Jay-Z said that he had Blue leaning on the Basquiat. Now, if you don't know who Basquiat is, he's an artist, and well, the, the, the painting costs a lot of money. All his paintings cost a lot of money. They made a movie about it. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do. <laughs> but if you got it, yeah, let your kids touch it. Let your kids touch it. There's a guy who had a Picasso. He was at his party drinking. First problem. Got, got way too drunk, had his Picasso out, was talking, 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 and he fell through the Picasso. Got up, had it retouched. I think he lost something like $40 million on it. You know what he did? Went on about his life. Doo -doo -doo. Got it fixed and went on. If you lost something like that in your house, you gonna act like that? No, 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 no. You, that, uh, just because you got it don't mean you can afford it. Just because you can pay for it does not mean you can afford it. How you going to look? Got $10 million, uh, $10 million painted in your house and your car getting repossessed. I was watching one of those repo shows. This guy had his big old mansion in Miami. His wife comes out and she had all this and all this and all this and all this stuff on. And they see why did you in the car? And the man come out, he say, what happened? What's going on? She said, what is he said, what are you talking about? I, I give you the money every month to pay for it. Problem number one. <laughs> she said, yeah, I know you did. I know you did. The guy said, look, man, your car ain't been paid in about this long. Here the paperwork is. We can show it. You can call your bank, talk to them. We're taking the car. 
My first question, why in the world you got this big old house and your wife got on more jewelry than the car costs and you talking about a car payment? But that's a side story. That's something else. Turns out he's giving her the money to pay for it. She's going to spend it on herself. Spa days. Lunch with the girls. So now this man's car is getting repossessed because he made some crazy choices. <laughs> I'm not saying that things don't happen to you. Things can happen to you. But let's be smart about how we prioritize our choices. So Sunji and Santhi have some things to think about and some serious priorities. Any questions about this one? Let's meet uh, Harold and Barbara Joel and Harry and Barb as they're known around the clubhouse and mature and mischievous adventurers who've traded long hours at the office for early retirement. In addition to their home at the country club, Harry and Barb outright own an income-producing vacation rental and a condo near their grandkids. Harry and Barb have no debt, three and a half million bucks invested in dividend-producing stocks and enough life insurance to easily pay for the grandkids' tuition to State U. When asked why State U, Barb sharply snipped, because State U is what Jolins do. Y'all laughing because y'all know some people like that. Y'all laughing because some of you, include me, want to be like that. Right? I pointed out, I think in the second session, that if Kenosha and Rick decided to give money to the U of A, and they had a Kenosha and Rick Grigsby room of learning and smart stuff for people at the school, that when Blake go to apply, it's a little different. It's a little different process that Blake is going to go through than if Rick and Kenosha Grigsby struggling to make ends meet and they had to get on a waiver to just to get the application put in and she had to handwrite her application and she couldn't even submit it electronically. It's a little different. It's a little different. It's a little different. One of the things that uh, came up at the University of Texas at Austin, and I love bringing my school up, well, mostly because I like bringing up my school, but because I, I, I used it as object lessons, right? The 1997 uh, challenge that they had to using race as a criteria for admission. Came to my school, oh man, what? This is school I'm gonna go to. Now here's something that you guys may not know about me. I worked, ran track, went to school. Worked, ran track, went to school, didn't sleep. Had a very, hold on, I gotta go through a few words first. Very special uh, former stepfather. Okay? This man actually convinced me that I was not smart enough to get into any college, any college, that did not have affirmative action. Now, that's okay. That's not okay, but it's, we'll start there. Never mind the fact that in my bedroom, I had literally, this is no joke, one wall starting on the floor all the way up to the ceiling, all the way across, and all the way back down, and then coming back this way, about halfway. Letters offering scholarships and admissions to seven of the top 10 schools in the United States that year and other schools. I had schools offer me full ride scholarships that I'd never even heard of or applied to. I actually said one day, I will never go to a school that offers me a scholarship if I ain't even asked you to get an application. Yet this man had me convinced that I wasn't smart enough to go to a school unless I had affirmative action. I wasn't good enough. Never mind those scholarship programs and the offers that were there. I was convinced that I couldn't get in. There was no way I could go to the University of Texas at Austin. Fast forward a couple of years, not only did I go, I graduated and I went back all before they changed that rule, but that's a whole nother subject. Shame on him. So, what was holding that process up? It was me. It was the people around me 
See, Harry and Barb live at the country club. What happens at the country club? Socializing, people play golf. Keep that head in, right? They talk. If you went to the CEO of big corporation X and said, hey, I want to spend four hours walking around the woods with you and talking while we drink a little bit, what you gonna get? Rejected. You go to the CEO of big corporation X and say, hey, let's go play golf. Guess what happens? Not only do you spend four hours walking around in the woods chasing these little white balls around, you might spend a couple hours afterwards talking. And guess where the business happens? Business deals are set before the business deals happen. Business deals are set before the business deals happen. I'll tell you, I work for a company. They were buying a company outside of the country. I won't tell you who or where. They were buying a company outside of the country. And everybody on the inside said, okay, we got to sit. We got okay, to sit. Okay, you ready? Go. They bought it. Problem. People who live in other countries want to get paid in their own money. So here we are with USD, and they got their money, and we going, man, we got to figure this out. And everybody knew that if we told the world that we were going to have to pay more for that company, because they were just going to bid up the price of the currency. So what did we do? We went in. And by the time that deal was announced, the company I was working for already had all the money. And guess what happened when that deal was announced? Currency shot through the roof. And we were like, ha ha, gotcha. We already got our money. Those deals happen at the country club. How many of y'all live in a country club? How many of us live in a country club? Know somebody who live in a country club? Yeah, in it, in it, in it, off in it, down off in it. Yeah, we, many of us do, but that's where it is. Yeah, you know a couple people, I know you do, yeah, yeah. But that's the thing, that's where deals happen, that's where those conversations are happening. So Harry and Barb have a little bit of an advantage because, well, that's why people live in a country club. It's a club and talk. They also own a vacation rental. Here's something that's interesting. I know a guy, his three kids, they go to school out of state. $400,000 is gonna be his tuition bill for all three of them to go to school out of state at his wife's alma mater, not even his school. I know another guy who knows the same guy. He just had a son this year. He and his wife listened to the guy who has three kids and $400,000 tuition who recommended that they go buy a vacation house, 15-year mortgage. Kids one, 15, one plus 15 is 16. What happens somewhere around 16? You start what? Figuring out what college you want to go to. So what he figured out, simple math, is that, hey, house going to cost $300,000. 15-year mortgage, Vacation rental prices. Vacation rental prices are enough to cover the mortgage, taxes, and insurance for the house for the full year. Plus leave a little profit. Over time, we know rental prices go up typically. So that means they sew up a mortgage now, they will make even more profit. Here's something subtle. It also means that in 15 years, that house will be paid for right around the same time that Junior is looking for school. So who cares what's on your FAFSA if you got 300 racks sitting in the back for your kid? Who cares? Who cares? What's on your FAFSA? Tell me something. How many of you were the first people in your family to fill out a FAFSA? You ain't know what to put on that thing. 
You called 17 people. You was on Prodigy on your window, on your windows. What was it? 3.1, your old DOS trying to figure out what to put on it. When your kid goes, what you gonna do? Give me that thing, boy. Get out the way. Shoot. We don't need that. Watch out. But you didn't know. Why? Because nobody told you. Why? Because they hadn't been there before. So they didn't know. So last week when I told you our kids, as much as we like to say, our, our ceilings are going to be their floors. That's not true. Our ceilings will likely be their ceilings. Because if we can't teach them to be curious and explore and go beyond where we are, yes. they never will. I told y'all last week, it took me forever to stop saying her and there. It took me forever. They laugh because they're from Houston and they know exactly what that Dallas accent sounds like. Right? <laughs> go, go meet some folks from Dallas. Like from Dallas, not from Dallas, Dallas, <laughs> down young. Yeah, it took forever because that was what was down off up in me. That's what was in there. That's okay, that's Texas for you. We do a lot. We do a lot. But it was what was in me, so I had, to, I had to overcome it so that I could move in different ways, in different spaces, and play a different game. See, here's where a lot of us get caught up, and we never get to our Harry and Barb moment because, well, we go through situations that produce lessons. And then our situations change, but we still use those old ways of applying those lessons. Those lessons are important. Stay rooted in them. The ways you apply them need to evolve as you and your circumstances evolve. Let me tell you something. The way I was hustling lemonade at 1024 Pondell when I was four years old is the same way if you go to 3350 West Pinnacle Parkway right now, I hustle at my job every day. I literally explain things in my company to million dollar people with titles that begin with C and only have three letters in them that this is how this works. And it's the exact same way that I used to count my money when I sold candy at T.L. Marcellus Elementary School. It is the exact same. I use different words. And instead of, you know, nickels, dimes and quarters, well, we still use nickel, dimes and quarters. They just have a few more zeros at the end. But it is the exact same way. So yes, they hear it in a way that they can understand. But I promise you, South Dallas Old Cliff is what's talking to them. Just in a language they can understand. My man Maurice say, well, let me tell you in a way you can understand. I'm gonna I tell them in a way they can understand. That's what it is. You don't have to get all sophisticated and go far. Harry and Barbara being themselves, they are using what they have to learn what they don't have. Why would they be in dividend-producing stocks? Make money. Money making money. Money making money. Go back a couple slides. What did I tell you? We want to invest wisely so we can get our money working. That's what they're doing. This stuff ain't hard. There are plenty of books. There are plenty of stories. If you like YouTube, instead of watching what happened on The Real Housewives, take eight minutes and watch some of the videos. You don't even have to do that much. I happen to do this stuff because I like it. But when I want to learn something, guess where I am? Shoot. I watch two hours of YouTube, and I will go stand in front of the daggone president of the United States, and we can argue about Syria. It's out there. People have this crazy, crazy, crazy need in America to show how smart they are. You a fool if you don't take time to learn from them. Now, legacy. How many of us talk about legacy? What is your legacy? I told you, I think it was two sessions ago, back in uh, 
September, I think that's right, October, was it October? Whenever it was, no, it was September. No, it was July, it was July. I told you that Solomon, or David established a legacy for Solomon in those four pieces, right? I told you that if at the end of this you have nothing more than money and less debt, a higher credit score, thank you very much, you are messing up. Do something that's bigger than you. Do something that's going to last longer than you. Do something that is going to take not only your lifetime, but maybe a couple people's lifetimes to do. Who cares if you get it done? Start sewing a quilt with your granddaughter. I happen to love Thanksgiving, not just because I get to see my crazy cousins, and not just because I get to eat a whole lot of good food, but I love Thanksgiving because, well, on Wednesday night, well, really afternoon, but starting Wednesday, mostly Wednesday night, I get to watch my mama and my grandmama stand in the kitchen. Not because I think women need to cook, so get that out your head, whoever, you just don't cast you out in the pit of fire. No, it's not that. I get, I get to see them do it. And I realize that what is happening is a transfer of information between generations. Mm-hmm. My uncle owned a bakery. He had my, my, my great aunt and my grandmother come work in there. And I was like, what in the world? And I realized he didn't have them coming in there because they are the most skilled salespeople. He had them coming in there because, well, he got to spend 10 hours a day with them. When I was a freshman in high school, this guy named Armand Catenary, he was an honors world history professor, had us do a project. And it was the most important project because it gave us the highest grade, you know, the most percentage of our grade for that year. It was called the grandfather paper. And the task was to interview someone who was two generations but related, removed from you and family. I listened to my grandfather talk. I'm better for it. Establish that legacy. Why state you? Because that's what Jolins do. Why do U of A? Because that's what the Smiths do. I got a good friend named Steven. I told him I went to the University of Texas at Austin. Steven said, you're a Longhorn. I said, that's right. He said, well, me too. Come on, bud. Think that stuff don't matter? It does. It does. Treasurer of Walmart Stores Corporation was a guy named Charles Holly when I came out here. On my interview, Mr. Rick Brazil said, hey, he's a Texas guy. You know what Charles said? You're a Longhorn. <laughs> To this day, there is an alumni chapter of the University of Texas at Austin in Northwest Arkansas because Charles Holly is the C- well is the retired now CFO of Walmart Stores Incorporated. We are the smallest chapter in the nation, yet we get the exact same funding as every one of those big ones. You telling me legacy doesn't matter? It absolutely does. Meet Jose and Marisol Fajardo. Joe and Marty met doing college and have been pushing each other to excel ever since their first date, which ended at the hospital after Joe sprained his ankle. How did Joe sprain his ankle while on a date? The pair broke into a daycare playground, set up an obstacle course, and went best out of three because someone must win. These newlyweds pushed off marriage for a few years so they could focus on grabbing their first promotions. Now they're two years into the second promotions, earning a combined $235,000 per year, living in their newly built $750,000 home, and planning a vacation to Hawaii where they'll compete in their first Ironman. They aren't dinks, they are super dinks. Dinks, if you don't know, double income, no kids. Double income, no kids. Here, there's another one that is out there and people haven't really gotten a hold of it yet. It's still kind of floating around. The government's called Henry's. Call Henry's. High earners, not rich yet. Call Henry's. 
Me and some guys I used to work with had a group. We called ourselves the Henrys, not high earners, not rich yet. And you know what we used to do? We sit around and eat expensive food and tell big lies to each other about how we're going to be bowling. I kind of like being a Henry. But I'm trying to get that not rich yet part off. I guess that made me just a he. <laughs> what do you think about Joe and Marty's uh, situation? What do you think? It's a big mortgage for two people, too. Right. Big mortgage. Yeah. That's a lot of mortgage for two people. Mm-hmm. Especially on 235. Yeah, they might need to. Okay. What else? What other issues might they be facing? Injuries. Uh huh. They better have some health insurance. Training for an Ironman mess up your life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they need Aflac. <laughs> they better think about their health. They better think about Aflac. It's not, man. This is crazy. This is how people live, right? What is the likelihood that they overspend in general? It's probably really high, right? Why? Because they're so competitive. They're so competitive, we get caught up in being competitive. Oh, I gotta have the bigger, better, better, faster. Ah. And next thing you know, uh-oh, we have a flat tire and we can't drive it because, well, we don't have money to fix it. Hey, ain't nothing like having a 5 Series pull up to a $700,000 house and the 5 Series on a donut for a month or three. If your donut doesn't have any tread on it because you can't afford to, you might. You might want to reevaluate some of your choices. I'm just saying. Anything else that they may be thinking about? They spend all this money on themselves. What happens if they end up with kids? How much do kids cost? More importantly, more importantly, as much as you spend on them, that's how much kids cost. I promise you, my son has a way better life than my brothers and me combined because I spend more money on him and she spends more money on him. I almost, well, never mind. Had to help him. Had to help him (laughs) on some of his choices with stuff. But think about that. We get caught up in this, oh, our kids should have it better than I did. Yes, they should. They absolutely should because that means you've taught them well. That does not mean their life is without struggle. That's good. If you see a butterfly cocoon, a little caterpillar cocoon, and you pull that cocoon open and let the butterfly out, guess what happens? The butterfly dies. It will die very, very quickly. Because here's something that people didn't realize until they started doing this. Pushing through that shell forces fluids into the wings, and that's what causes the wings to spread. When you overcome something, you become stronger. You become better suited to win. You know why people win? It's because they got their butt kicked and they kept getting up until they crossed that finish line. I'm tired of hearing people say their lives are marathons. You know why? Because if you run a marathon, you only cross the finish line one time. 
My life is a decathlon. Why? Because I get to compete in a lot of stuff and I can win. And even if I don't win this, I can win the decathlon overall. I don't have to win every event to get the gold medal at the end of the race. In fact, there's only been one person in the history of the Olympics who has ever done it. One has won all 10 uh, events in the decathlon, just one. That means you don't have to win. Let me tell you something, when my grandfather died, that was a lot like the pole vault. It was up there and I wasn't good at pole vault. And I had to run and I heard people cheering but I had to get through it myself. And I had to use everything I could to get up there. And three months later, my other grandfather died. Oh my goodness. Just like that pole vault, the ball went higher when I cleared that first one. So I had to do it again. And a couple months later, one of my great uncles died. And I had to do it again. And soon after that, one of my uncles passed away. I didn't even know this guy lived. I didn't know he was alive. I didn't even know he existed. My father actually had a brother I did not know existed. You know how weird it is going to a funeral, looking into a casket at a person who looks like you, just older, with more hair? That is not the time to find out that somebody is alive. It's terrible. His funeral was at Friday. 11 o'clock, Dallas, Texas. I was in Austin. I drove up for it. I was a pallbearer. I'm carrying a casket of a man I didn't know existed who looks like me. That is weird. I went back to Austin on Sunday night and went to work Monday morning. Phone rings, and it was my mama. She didn't call me normally during the middle of the day. And she called me to tell me that another one of my great uncles had passed away. I had a tough 18 months, y'all. And after that call, four days later on Friday, at 11 o'clock, I was once again at Dallas, bearing an uncle. Like that pole vault, I had to uh, pull myself higher each time. And I realized something. Do you realize that in pole vault, you end by losing? You lose. The way to win, the person that gets the gold medal in pole vault actually loses against the, the standard, because the standard just keeps going up until they can't clear it anymore. Our lives are like that too. We're gonna have to get through some deaths in our lives, but the last one we don't get through. That's our own. That's our own. And I promise you the skills it took to finish that are a lot different than the skills it took to get me through school. See, that to me was a whole lot like a hurdle race. See, there are 10 hurdles in that 110 high. Pow, I'm good at the hurdles because I got long legs. One, two, three, kick. One, two, three, kick. One, two, three, kick. If you've never run hurdles, that's actually what you, how you learn to run hurdles. One, two, three, kick. One, two, three, kick. It's a very predictable cadence. You know what it is. There are 10 hurdles. Well, I say hurdles like my schooling. Pow, my first two semesters, I kicked the first two. Pow, pow. Not because I did poorly in school, but because, like I said, I have a very special former stepfather. So I'm gonna stop. Them last eight, I ran hard. I ran hard. I crossed that finish line. Sure did. Now we on to do something else. What is your life like? See, the problem I have with people who describe their lives as being like a marathon. You only cross the finish line one time, and everything in your life can't, steadily, can't be dealt with with a steady pace. Sometimes you got to run fast. Sometimes you got to run slow. Sometimes you got to zig. Sometimes you got to zag. 
Sometimes you are going to get in a race where you know you are going to lose. My very first race, my very first race, my very first race in the track. I told you I ran the 110 highs, I ran up for points. I was just too small and not strong enough. I could turn my legs, but not fast enough to keep up. I lined up lane two. Lane two, I was at Rockland High School in California. Pow, Northern California, pow. Bella Vista High School, single it out, pow, pow, pow. I'm ready, I done warmed up. Did my stretcher hat on my Reebok running shoes. Pow, got down, and I knew I was good. I knew how I went, right, wow, I was ready to go. I looked to my right. I got this. Nobody in lane three, so I knew I was gonna beat that person. <laughs> Nobody in lane four, he's like, oh, I got this. Lane five and six. A guy named Manny and a guy named Kyle. Kyle happened to go to school with me, Kyle O'Neill. He was ranked number one in the state of California in the hurdles. Manny, on his left side between us, he was ranked number two in the state of California in the hurdles. Here I am, my very, my very first hurdle race ever. I'm running up against number one and number two in the state of California. And you know what I thought? I'm a whoop they behind. Pow, gun goes up. I did it right, I did it right, head up, head up, head up. Kick! One, two, three, kick! One, two, three, third hurdle. At the third hurdle, something magical happened. I glanced over, I could see both of their backs. They were already going over to the fifth hurdle. <laughs> y'all laughing, but y'all couldn't have done better. <laughs> so here I am going over the third hurdle. And in my head, I was like, man, go Kyle! And I had a choice to make. Do I keep going? One, two, three, kick. One, two, three, kick. I hit turtle number seven just in time to watch Kyle beat Manny. That means they are not only getting away from me and going faster than me, they're going faster. <laughs> so I'm over hurdle number seven. Boom, one, two, three, kick. One, two, three, kick. One, two, three, kick. <sighs> Crossed in 18 seconds. I think they crossed in like 12 or something like that, 13, something like that. I got smoked. But when I started that race, I said, <laughs> I'm gonna do this thing. And more importantly, I didn't quit. I didn't quit. Saturday rolls around. My event came up. We had an invitational, same track. Rockland Invitational. I was a triple jumper, pretty decent at it too until I tore my knee up. I ended up setting a track record. Now it helped that there had never been a track meet at this track before. So I won the very first triple jump ever held the Rockland Invitational. And to this day, my name still appears on the Bella Vista all-time list for triple jumpers. Hurdles may not have been my thing, but triple jump, mm, I did a little bit better. If you define your life as a marathon, you got one race. I'm not saying you have to be a decathlon, like me. I'm not saying I will always define my life as a decathlon. I am saying that I ain't worried about winning one time, because I know I got a lot more. I compete in a lot of areas, and I don't have to win them to win at this. Be careful about being competitive. Meet Shaylin Ambrosia, Sheila McElwain, or Shaylin Ambrosia, as her 42 IG followers know her. It's still young, single, and L-I-T lit. At 28, she maintains a fast-paced life filled with nonstop activity, the latest bags, and an endless supply of travel selfies. Last week, she received her first unsecured credit card offer since her 2008 bankruptcy fell off her credit report. And she's ready to swipe. Her mother hopes Sheila, not Shaylin, can use this opportunity to get on the right track. You like that? <laughs> you seen this before? 42 IG followers. What do you think? Um, the fact that she's ready 
<laughs> Ain't learning nothing. How often do we not learn? We go through this stuff and never learn. <laughs> Look, somebody said, I failed it and I got up. That's cool. I don't care. I actually, honestly, guys, if you haven't started the program this year, that's okay. Because you're afraid, that's okay. Start. If you fail, yeah, so what? Get up and do it again. Absolutely. There's this thing in executive leadership called crucible moments. Crucible moments. And what they found with all these super, 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 duper high performing executives is that somewhere early on in their career, they were faced with something called a crucible moment where they were faced with a very large task that had very real consequences and they had to make a very real decision and they didn't know what to do. Whether they succeeded or failed in that moment didn't actually determine how well they did. It actually determined if they did. See, the people who went after those crucible moments and fought hard, worked hard, actually went on to continue to learn and do well. People who didn't, well, they kind of took an exit. Took an exit. You don't know what this stuff is? Ask. Come see me. If you're too embarrassed to come see me, look on the internet. I will give you as many resources as you need to help you. I don't mind talking. Y'all have heard me say plenty of times, Jimmy and I talked at 4 o'clock in the morning. I was sending him text messages at 5 this morning. He responded back to me. He sent me something at 4. I responded back to him. I want to see you guys do well. Look, y'all got me now. You stuck with me. We ain't quite like family, but God dog it, I fight with some of y'all like y'all, so we may as well just call it what it is. I love y'all. Y'all love me. Part of that love means I got to help you do well where I can. Okay? I will. I'm happy to. Let me know. You fail? Ah, so what? I told y'all all the times I lost money. I told you. I had a $300,000 swing in my personal economy one time. You know what $300,000 means when it disappears? Well, maybe some of y'all don't because it don't really matter much. But for me, 300 racks was a lot. $300,000. Jimmy, when I lose money, what do I call it? Pay intuition. Pay intuition. Because you know what's not going to happen again? <laughs> oh, wait, I might lose 300, but it won't be like that. It won't be that way. <laughs> might lose it. Jimmy laughing because we talk about this stuff. You might make money, or you might not make money on this house, but you're going to make money off this house. Remember that? What difficult situation are you facing that you're trying to work through? That you may not be able to do something great in, but because of the lessons you learn, you can do something great afterwards. That's good. What? What? We get one life. Wear this body out. Wear the experiences out. I have never heard old people laying on the deathbed talking about, man, I wish I had worked that overtime back in 72. Do say things like, I wish I had spent more time with my kids, or I wish we had taken that vacation, or I wish I had tried. Run out of try. I bet nobody in this room can run out of try. Come up with a crazy idea and do it. I told some of y'all, I want to start a trucking company. Why? You know why? Because when I was four years old, my mama worked at Sweetheart Cup Corporation. Anybody ever heard of Sweetheart? I told you about it before. 
Next time you go to a, a fast food joint, look at the top, the lid that they put on your cup. More than likely it'll say sweetheart. She made those lids. She worked on a manufacturing line. It went off four years old. She got one of her friends to drive me around the yard in his truck. And I got boom, boom, got to pull the, the little horn thing. He touched the wheel. And ever since then, I've been fascinated with trucks. I literally, to this day, have pictures of trucks that I drew when I was five and six years old. I own a trucking company because I want that. I'm not going to run out of try. I'm going to do what I did when I was a kid. The reason I jump around and act a fool is because, well, if that's what it takes for you guys to get there, then you know what? I'm happy. I'm happy to be the fool. I love seeing try. That's why I spend so much time yammering with your kids. I love seeing that. Try it. Go do it. What's going to happen? What? If you tried more, where would you be? Number one, you'd be smarter than you are now. And I know we're educated and we're sophisticated. And we know so much because we have pieces of paper on the wall that dumb people have. I graduated with some dummies. Some of y'all graduated with some dummies. And if you didn't graduate with dummies, don't look in the mirror because you're probably looking at the dummy. <laughs> you, and I love asking this question. I think I've asked it in here. And if I have, if I have, say the answer loud. If I haven't, that's okay. What do they call the person with the lowest GPA at a medical school graduation? Doctor. doctor. When was the last time you asked your doctor what his GPA was? When was the last time you asked your doctor if she went to that one class good enough to get a good grade? Still a doctor. My brother will tell you, I tell, my brother's a doctor right now, he tell you, there's some dummies in there taking care of people. Some dummies. It ain't about being smart, it's about getting through the work. Can you get through the work? Can you get through it? It ain't about being smart. I done had conversations with people, I'm like, what in the world? How you, what? You thought that was a good idea. Okay. Try, run out of tries, run out of them. Get to the end and lay on that deathbed and look at your great, 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 great grandkids because I wish all y'all to have a long, healthy life. Look at them and say, "Woo! I ran out of try. That's why I'm dying. I'm dying because, well, ain't nothing else to do. <laughs> Not because you burnt all of your life before you were 30. Try. All right, Kareem and Kadisha Wallace. They are in love with living again. Last year, Kareem, an experienced nurse practitioner, was hospitalized for nearly three months after contracting an infection following a week-long medical mission trip to a small village in a developing country. Although the couple had a good financial plan in place before Kareem's illness, secretly, Kadisha has begun to worry about the future of the couple's kids. Tyrone, who's 18. Deontay, who's 14. Colin, who's six. If y'all watched football yesterday, y'all know exactly who those people are. Texas fight. <laughs> if something were to happen to Kareem or her. Prior to Kareem's illness, the couple was prepared for Khadija to leave the security of her corporate job and open a freelance firm. Now Kareem is even more sure it's the right thing to do. While Khadija is unsure. What do you guys think? 